the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Right now at 8 minutes past 10 o'clock on AM 1420, The Answer. We are guest-free this hour as well, so dial 216-901-0945 to get on the program. Dial 888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers will get you here. Don't forget, good tweets will be read. Good comments on Facebook will be shared as well. Follow me on those two platforms at Radio Done Right. Radio Done Right on Twitter and Facebook. All one word, no spaces, no underscores. All right, we have a lot of things still to do. <clears throat> not the least of which, is to give you the statistics. FAIR has been uh, talking to Peter Kersenow, it would seem, because they are using some of the statistics that Peter Kersenow has provided on this program and others to talk about why it is so essential for us to do what we have to do by Friday. And that is get a bill signed, a spending bill, passed through the Congress and signed by the President, that does authorize the beginning of the construction of a border wall. And the amount of money they get, by the way, whether it's a million or, or a billion or two billion or five billion or whatever is irrelevant, it has to get started. And then from that point on, you have to finish. The key, getting it started is the key. But why is it so important to get that done? Because the studies done by the State Criminal Alien Assistance Program, or SCAP, the federal government's program, um, are frightening. We are not talking about just a bunch of innocent migrant farm workers coming here to take jobs that Americans won't do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That is not what we are talking about. This is what the left, of course, thinks. Everybody who's coming across the border is so virtuous. They just want to work and uh, you know, help their families and so on and so forth. Uh, no, the president, when he talks about criminal criminality among the illegal immigrant population, is spot on. And here's what I'm talking about. Illegal aliens are, on average three times more likely to be incarcerated than legal residents, according to the new report. The study analyzes the most recent data from the federal government's State Criminal Alien Assistance Program, which reimburses states for a small portion of the cost of incarcerating criminal illegal aliens. The report includes states that account for 65% of the nation's illegal alien population. For far too long, the open borders lobby have peddled the talking point that it is that is the exact opposite of the truth. And let me pause there, because you do know that, right? Every time you turn on a television and there's a liberal face staring back at you talking about illegal immigration, they're saying that illegal aliens are more law-abiding than legal residents and American citizens. They're saying that you are more likely to be uh, uh, to be harmed in a violent crime by a legal resident of the United States than illegal aliens. It's a lie. It's a false talking point. They were able to arrive at that argument by purposely omitting crucial data, such as drug, identity, and document fraud offenses, which most would agree is considerable oversight. Some of the key findings of the study include, in all SCAP reporting states that together account for the vast majority of the nation's illegal alien population. Illegal aliens are incarcerated at a much higher rate than citizens and lawfully present present aliens. In some cases, the rate is five times higher. For example, in California, the state that has the largest illegal alien population, illegal aliens were 3.3 times more likely 
than legal residents to be incarcerated. In New Jersey, illegal aliens are five and a half times more likely to be incarcerated as legal residents. In Arizona, four times. In Washington, three and a half times as likely. In Oregon, the nation's first and oldest sanctuary state, 3.7 times as likely. Think about those statistics. Triple, quadruple, and quintuple the number of American citizens or legal residents to uh, to commit crimes that re- require incarcerations. Incarceration. That's what we're talking about here. A massive influx of illegal aliens committing crimes in the United States that harm people, including things like identity theft, nonviolent crimes. The inaction of Congress over border wall funding and asylum reform has created yet another opportunity for a central uh, American caravan to conglomerate and seek entry into the United States. Right now, this time, they're at a southern Texas town called Eagle Pass, the 2,000-person caravan, which mostly consists of Hondurans, Guatemalans, and and Salvadorans, is currently residing in Piedras uh, Negras, a town in Mexico that is located across the Rio Grande from Eagle Pass. In the spring and fall of 2018, Central American caravans headed toward the San Ysidro port of entry near San Diego, but due to enhanced border security and new protocol that requires migrants to wait in Mexico if they enter their asylum claims at that port of entry, they've changed their course. Eagle Pass is located in a section of the border that does not have adequate border security, prompting President Trump to send 250 active-duty military personnel to that area. Border Patrol issues also said to be accepting only about a dozen asylum claims per day because of reduced resource shortages. With 2,000 migrants just a few hundred yards from entering the U.S. and at least two other caravans following right behind it, Congress must agree to a spending package that funds the border wall appropriately by Friday, February 15th, or face an endless flow of caravans arriving at our borders. And with the numbers that I gave you in the first hour of the program, we're talking about literally tens of millions who have expressed in Latin America desires to come to the United States and who are just looking for the right time. The right time will be once they realize that the American government won't do its job and actually put up borders and bar- or, excuse me, barriers on the border that would limit them from being able to do that. So it's just it's it's that important. And again, we're in a countdown mode. We're in a countdown mode. Um, Kellyanne Conway, senior advisor to the president, says the president is ready to go, but the Democrats are playing games. And you now have the conferees, bipartisan conferees, arguing over beds and barriers. But people should know, especially the people who went down to the border and complained that there weren't enough beds. We want more beds. They want fewer because they want more people to come into the United States of America. They want fewer people being held up. And they want more people being released because they know then they will disappear into the ether. They will disappear into mainstream American society and, of course, never come back for the hearings. And as I said in the first hour, I don't want to be too repetitive. Uh, then they, of course, will pop out their, their American citizen children by way of birthright citizenship and then, of course, cl- complain, my child is an American citizen. You cannot deport me. My, either I take my child with me to a country with which he is not familiar and he is not a, a citizen of, or you make me leave and separate us. You can't separate families in such a way. All right, I want to take an early time out here in this hour because I want to come back and change subjects as well, unless you call. All right, it's uh, 1019 as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. 
I'll go to your phone calls in a second, but I do want to start this story, and then we'll uh, pick up the phone calls on immigration and more. But um, the story from the Federalist that I found over the weekend, uh, just uh, it's jaw-dropping. It literally, literally just had me sitting there mouth agape. Um, the Yale University uh, school newspaper. So we're talking about, of course, Ivy League. This is the elite, right? This is the elite of the elite. This is the best of the best, the smartest that we have, as far as young people in America today, at Yale. The Yale University newspaper printed an article, an op-ed, that very well may be one of the most racist stories to ever be printed. The Yale Daily News opinion editor, his name is Isis Davis Marks. Isis. Okay, whatever published a piece advertising, or not advertising, beg your pardon, advising, I can't read sometimes, advising minority students to spy on white boy students and ruin their lives later. That's not an exaggeration. That is exactly what this editor said. She said, everyone knows a white boy. This is in their newspaper. Everyone knows a white boy with shiny brown hair and a saccharine smile that conceals his great ambitions. He could be in Grand Strategy or the Yale Political Union. Maybe he's the editor-in-chief of the news. He takes his classes, he networks, and when it comes time for graduation, he wins all the awards. One day, I'll turn on the television. Or who knows, maybe televisions will be obsolete by this point, and I'll see him sitting down for his Senate confirmation hearing. Yes, he'll be a bit older, with tiny wrinkles spouting at the corners of his eyes and a couple of gray hairs jutting out the top of his widow's peak. But that smile, that characteristic saccharine smile, will remain the same. When I'm watching the white boy, who is now a white man by this point, on CNN, I'll remember a racist remark that he said, an unintentional utterance that he made when he had one drink too many at a frat party during sophomore year. I'll recall a message that he accidentally left on a computer when he forgot to log out of iMessage, where he likened a woman's body to a particularly large animal. I'll kick myself for forgetting to screenshot the evidence. And when I'm watching him smile that smile, I'll think that I could have stopped it. At the end of the story, she wrote her solution on what she and others can do to make certain to destroy their lives. We allow things to skate by, she wrote. We forget, we say, no, he couldn't have done that, or, but he's so nice. No questions are asked when our friends accept job offers from companies that manufacture weapons or contribute to gentrification in cities. We merely smile at them and wave as we walk across our residential college courtyards and do nothing. Thirty years later, we kick ourselves when it's too late. But I can't do that anymore. I can't let things slip by. I'm watching you, white boy. And this time, I'm taking the screenshot. As the American thinker pointed out, uh, the fact that this was allowed to be published in the Yale Daily News says a lot about the state of Ivy League schools and, quite frankly, universities all over this country. Here we have a lovely state of affairs at Yale University, which gave this mediocrity after a clearly cosseted upbringing among the elites, elites an admission slot. 
She's urging her fellow students to follow white males around, monitor them, spy on them, screenshot them, document everything they do in the hopes of ruining their careers at some point 30 years down the line. If she knew anything about the history of socialism or communism, which to make charitable assumptions she doesn't, she's in fact calling for a Stasi-like atmosphere, as seen in the lives of others, as all because she was so inspired by Brett Kavanaugh's hearings with the state, Senate departments, or excuse me, Senate Democrats' last desperate tactic of bringing up false stories, dating from college as a means of sinking his Supreme Court nomination. Isis Davis Marks has been steeped in the culture of political correctness and identity politics, and it doesn't take long for political correctness. Uh, and political correctness policing to start turning into the tactics of the Stasi. Here, she says she would like to get an early start through, uh, through thought police tactics starting at Yale to ensure that she can make the charges stick. The records on PC transgressions will be made. The records will be kept. And the records pulled out at the convenient time to ensure that no one from Yale succeeds should he have the temerity of being a white male. And as an aside, the fraud potential, uh, the fraud potential of this is pretty impressive. You imagine blackmailing? You imagine how somebody who would be victimized in such a way would be blackmailed by somebody who possessing these screenshots or or evidence of some other misdeed as a as a young college student? Obviously, that should end the social capital uh, of uh, the, that should end the social capital of the place. No one will be able to trust anyone. And what is PC today might be different from what is PC tomorrow. So the potential for harm is amazing. And everyone at Yale, presumably thinking about his future career, from now on will be on his toes, much as East Germans were during the Stasi era. It's frankly pretty chilling. What's more, she's likely to get away with this. Having mastered the use of race and sex cards all her life as chits to power and always being rewarded for them. Now she finds it's not enough. The tactics must be turbocharged with Stasi tactics, making everyone as bitter and resentful as she is, despite the opportunities that she has had. This is staggering. This It would be one thing if a nut job student wrote maybe for a college paper, you know, for one of her professors. I think white males should be followed around and should have their lives recorded and screenshotted and pictures taken and, and conversations eavesdropped upon, if not recorded, so that later on when they go to become successful, we can ruin their lives. It would be one thing if somebody just wrote that paper for a professor and the professor didn't immediately you know, uh, alert somebody for it. But this wasn't written for a private in a private class or for a professor's eyes. This was sent to the school newspaper. This was put in the school newspaper. This was published with faculty advisor's consent. As if this is okay, this is a thing. And if you think that said tactics would stop on the campus of Yale University and not be done at Harvard and Cornell and Brown and the rest of them, as well as, of course, just the other liberal indoctrination centers across the country, like Berkeley, like Oberlin, like Ohio State. Yeah, that's right, Buckeyes, I said it. Like the University of Michigan and Ohio State, there's very little difference between the two. Liberal indoctrination centers, where free speech is not allowed, where political correctness reigns, where strong voices of those conservative speakers who are invited on the campus and who are shut down, they are muted. This will happen at other colleges. 
This will be, we may not be written in every college newspaper the way it was at Yale, but if you don't think that there are going to be um, racist organizations on campuses who are going to follow this inst- these instructions to the letter, find the white guys on campus that you don't like, that you think are really smart, that are going to really go places someday, find a way to get dirt on them while we're here. And 10 years from now, 20 years from now, when they're running for office, when they've been nominated for this, that, or the other thing, that's when we'll ruin their lives. This is a thing. Do not misunderstand. It's not just a, boy, wouldn't that be great if this is an, this is a, this is an assignment. This is an assignment. This Yale editor sent out to every other liberal college group in America. All right, let's go to Mark in Fairview Park. Mark, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Sorry for the long delay, but let's get you up and on the air now. Go ahead, sir. Good morning, Bob. Uh, I was just wondering, did you hear about the uh, Liam Neeson affair? Yeah, sure did. Uh, I don't know if your audience is uh, you know familiar with what happened there. Well, but, you can tell uh, it if you want. Oh, okay. Well, it, basically, it was uh, somebody he found out was raped in his family by uh, a black man. So for a week, he went out and uh, admitted he went at, went out to bad areas of town and brum bars and that hoping somebody would come out and maybe a black person would come out and attack him and he could get revenge or whatever but uh the uh what i'd like to tell you and i'll do it in my irish dirge well i'd like to tell you uh last thursday i watched him on one show after another i watched he was so remorseful bob that he was about ready to cry the cbs hostess of the show had to hold his hand his little paw to get him through this self-inflicted emotional debacle it was disgusting, Bob, a disgrace to the Emerald Isle. I was embarrassed just watching him. I, I said to myself, Leon, get a backbone. You're a grown man. You may have had bad thoughts, but you didn't carry them through. Don't worry about what the others say. Remember Oscar Wilde saying, if you can keep your head while others around you are looking, are losing theirs and blaming you, you are a man. And what I'd like to finish up with, Bob, is uh, I'd like to ask you, what kind of, forget the racial aspect of it, what kind of a man at 66 behaves like this on national TV? I just can't figure this kind of well, behavior Well, let me, let me see, Mark, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought him up, because I had forgotten about him, I did, talk, I did see this over the weekend like a lot of other people did, <clears throat> and I would like to say a few words about what he said and about the uh, public relations nightmare he's going through right now. Uh, I'll save those for after the news. It is, it is 10.30 right now, but I do want to talk about Liam Neeson. Now, nice job, by the way, with the Irish accent. Liam Neeson was uh, from uh, Northern Ireland, or is from Northern Ireland, so pretty good job there. But, uh, yeah, I have some thoughts on that that I'll share, and I want to get your thoughts as well on the story I just shared about Yale University coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Progressive Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The Answer. 1034 now, the Bob France Authority continuing on AM 1420. The Answer. Okay, so I want to, um, I want, I want, just because the last caller brought this up, let me bring this up and say a few words about it, and then I'll go to your phone calls. And I know I got people on the line about immigration and more, but bear with me if, if, if you will. Liam Neeson um, is, of course, uh, one of the most well-respected actors uh, in working in Hollywood. Uh, Liam Neeson, uh, of course, you know, so well known for Schindler's List and 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 so many other memorable roles. In recent years, and it's weird because he's like sixty-six, but in his later years, in terms of of acting, 
in the last decade or so, he's turned into an action star. It started with the movie Taken and uh, two sequels to that, and now his new movie out is called Cold Pursuit, and he's an action star. He's a bad A, if you will. He can, uh, you know, he can he can kill you with weapons. He can kill you with his bare hands. He's, you know, he's he's just one of these guys who's out there, usually looking for revenge, trying to avenge a, a, a family member's death or a family member's assault or a family member's rape or or uh, kidnapping. These kinds of things. That's the character he's been playing, right, for the last ten years. So he was doing an interview interview for his new movie called Cold Pursuit, and. He was asked about the character and about what it feels like, you know, can you imagine kind of a thing about to be a, you know, a father of a a loved one or a daughter or whomever is, is, you know, brutally raped and beaten and this and that and the other thing, whatever the case might be, and wanting to go out and get revenge. And he basically said, yeah, um, this is, this is something these movies appeal to people because I think we all have deep within us the side of us that says we would seek revenge if somebody uh, harmed a loved one. I'm paraphrasing him right now, okay? So we all know what this is like. Uh, and that's why people like these movies. That's why people like these characters that I play. They can relate. And then he said, to really personalize it, I know what it's like to have that, uh, that, that, that uh, desire deep down to cause harm to someone when you're, uh, you know, who, has, who has harmed your loved one. And he talked about how a friend or a family member, and I don't think it was ever made quite clear that he knew, a long time ago was, uh, was raped. And the person was raped by a black guy. And he said he was so enraged and so angered by it that, quote, I went up and down areas with a kosh, a kosh is a club, hoping I'd be approached by somebody. I'm ashamed to say that, he said, but I did it for maybe a week, hoping that some, pardon my language here, I'm just going to give you the direct quote from Liam Neeson, some black bastard would come out of a pub and have a go at me about something, you know, so that I could kill him. He used air quotes when he said black bastard. Naturally, these were shocking comments that uh, caught a lot of people's attention, and people said, oh, my God, Liam Neeson is a racist. He was going to kill just some random black guy because a black guy had raped his loved one. Clearly, he is racist. And Liam Neeson has been in damage control ever since. He went on CBS, which uh, the caller was just talking about, and uh, not only has he apologized several times for this, he is pointing out, look, this wasn't last week. He said it was a long, long time ago, and it's something that I realized was horrible in me And I corrected it, and I had to seek help for it because the revenge factor was so strong. But he said it does not indicate that he's a racist. This is part of what he said on CBS. I did seek help. Uh, I went to a priest. I heard my confession. I was reared a Catholic. Two very, very good friends that I talked to. And and believe it or not, power walking. Power walking. Yeah, two hours every day. You can... Get rid of this. I'm, I'm, I'm not racist. I, 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 this was nearly 40 years ago. And I'm a fairly intelligent guy. And that's why it, it kind of shocked me when I came down to earth. That's just a very small part of what he had to say. I did on that. seek help. Yeah, we heard you already, uh, Liam. Uh, that's a small part of what he had to say. But I, I, I listened to it, and I listened to the original comments, and I thought to myself, 
is this are these the words of a racist or are these the words of a guy who literally realized immediately this is wrong this is wrong this is terrible it was 40 years ago first of all i think the uh, uh statute of limitations on any accusations of racism probably should have run out especially if in the last 40 years he has been essentially um uh completely nondescript on politics or on race or anything else he's just a very uh low-key hollywood superstar but what he said was uh, again, in the context of the movie, we all have the capacity, he said, or at least if we don't have the capacity, we like to see that capacity in others, that when someone around us is in danger, when someone that we love in a fan, our family or our friends or whatever is in danger or has been harmed, we want revenge. And so he talked about his own desire for revenge, even though he couldn't figure out and find out who it was who did it, he was going to go after somebody who looked like someone who did it. Now, is that smart? No. Is that is that evil? Eh, it's 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 in the scope. Uh, he didn't say he would go out and attack somebody. By the way, on their own, he said, "I was hoping somebody would jump me and quote have a go at me, and then I would have a reason to beat the crap out of him or kill him." He actually said he wanted to kill him, but the fact that it was racially involved and the fact that the uh, rapist of his family member or friend was black and the fact that he wanted to kill a quote unquote black bastard clearly it's it's racially troubling but i again would point to the fact that it's 40 years ago as he pointed out he brought it up voluntarily this wasn't something that was discovered about him nobody knew he only did it himself inside his own head he walked around he said for about a week so livid and furious that he just wanted to take revenge on somebody nobody knew he offered this up as a public confession just to show, look, we all have the capacity to think bad thoughts within our heads. And it's up to us to rid ourselves of those bad thoughts, to rid ourselves of those things before they become bad intentions, and become before those intentions become bad acts, which is exactly what he did. So I think what he was trying to tell was a redemptive tale. That, yes, we can all have that that desire for revenge in us, but that's not the way to go. I quickly realized it 40 years ago, that was not the way to go. And that's why people come to these movies, because they would never do this in real life. So they like to see me act it out on screen. And I don't think he's wrong. We do. Charles Bronson movies? I love Charles Bronson movies, uh, going back to the seventies and eighties. Any of these, and I love Taken, the series that he, you know, he made famous. I love these revenge tales. We all like to see um, bad people who do bad things on screen have really bad things happen to them. And if the victims are the ones who are are, are getting that revenge, we love it. And and that probably appeals to something in our nature, which is what he is saying. We all have the desire for re- revenge. But the best thing to do is to quash that, get rid of that, and understand that we can't be that way. And I think that's the kind of tale of, of redemption that he was going for. So if you have thoughts on it, by all means, dial us up. Andy in Middleburg Heights wants to get back on the immigration topic, however, and I'm welcome to do that. Uh, let's go right ahead. Andy, you're on the air. Yes, sir. Thank you much. Before my phone goes dead. Hey, Bob, what, does, does the president have enough executive power that he can go and tell these representatives and the senators and everything, put a pair of fatigues on, get your $200 or $2,000 suit off and your $2,000 pantsuits off and run down to the border and go shoulder to shoulder with some of these Border Patrol agents down there and the rest of them to see what's actually going on. I don't think they have a clue. If they think that's all immoral and illegal and everything else, get their butts down there, 
put them right in front of that line, shoulder to shoulder with our troops and our guys, and get a, get an idea of what's happening. Get out of your uh, crystal palaces and your 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 walled uh, places where you live. I mean, it's so aggravating. Get these people down there so they see what the hell's going on. And that's the only statement I have to make. And thank you for taking my time. Andy, it's a pleasure. Thank you for making the call. And to answer your question, no, the president does not have the authority to tell them to go to do that. But it would certainly be good if he challenged them publicly and said, look, I'm going down to the border. I'm going down to one of these areas where there is no wall. I'm going down to one of these areas that are being overrun. And we're going to talk to border agents. I'd love it if you'd come with me. Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, Christian uh, uh, Gillibrand, Alexandria Kelly Bundio Cortezo, come on down with me. Let's talk to the Border Patrol agents and see how things are going down there for them. Let's find out whether or not they think that the best way to stop this flow of illegals from coming across the border would be with a border barrier. That's what the president can do. Challenge them publicly. Ask them for uh, a response. And, of course, they will not get one. He will not get one, or they will issue some sort of response saying, you're just looking for a photo op, I won't be used as you try to practice your cruel uh, policies and blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, put them on the record. And more importantly, go, go take the trip. On camera, talk to every Border Patrol agent you can find, not knowing any of their uh, personal policies or politics, and just say, would fencing or walls here help you do your job in stopping people from coming in and make you safer at the same time? Because, you know, a lot of these Border Patrol agents are attacked. Let's see what they have to say. The president knows what the answer will be, which is exactly why he should do it. Because 89% of the Border Patrol agents surveyed have said, absolutely, we need a wall down here. But then again, why would we want to listen to the experts in the field? You know? I mean, when you're, when you're trying to get a medical condition diagnosed, why not just go down and ask your local trash collector? Why would you listen to the experts in the field and talk to a doctor, right? Who would best know uh, how to solve your problem, the trash guy or the doctor? It's no knock on trash collectors because I wouldn't ask a doctor about uh, my recycling issues either. So everybody's got their area of expertise, and we should rely on them. When my car breaks down... I don't go down to the local shoe store and ask the guy selling shoes if he knows what's wrong with my, wrong with my engine. I'm going to go to the expert. I'm going to go to the mechanic, the auto technician, I think they're called now. And guess what? If I've got border problems and people just pouring across it, crime, drugs, rapists, uh, human traffickers, sex traffickers, coyotes, who am I going to ask how to fix that? Some idiot politician in Washington, D.C., who's never been down there? Or am I going to go to the experts? I'm going to ask the guys who work on the border. How can we help you do your job? What's the biggest problem you face? How can we solve that? Ernest is calling us from Berea. First-time caller on AM 1420, The Answer. I love getting hearing from new folks. Uh, good to have you, Ernest. Go right ahead. Yes, thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. Uh, Bob. Uh, listen, uh, I'm a Christian. Okay. And uh, uh, I believe that God created the heavens and the earth. Mm-hmm. God created Adam out of dust. He took a rib and made him a wife. Those are the only two people that never had a navel. Every one of us has a navel. You check your navel, I have a navel. Every one of us, every person that has lived and died and is living today had a navel. And that's evidence. That's true evidence that we all spent nine months in our mother's womb. 
aging, developing, growing, and, and, and it takes nine months. Even our Lord Jesus Christ spent nine months in Blessed Mary's womb. Jesus had a navel. He had to come from a womb of a woman. He had to come from a womb of a woman because God said, let's make man in our image. And the thing is, Bob, everybody calls it embryos and fetuses. We were never called an embryo or a fetus in our mother's womb. We were called a child in our mother's womb. There's 23 verses in the Bible, King James Bible, refers to a a child, a woman that is pregnant, and she has, she is with child. She is with child, not an embryo, not a fetus. Even Jesus Christ was called a child in Blessed Mary's womb. Matthew one twenty three says, "Behold, a virgin will be with child, and she shall bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, being interpreted." God with us. God is Jesus Christ. He's our Savior. He's our Savior. And the thing is, we don't use his name, Jesus Christ. We use God. What God is it? What God is it? But the thing is, Bob, I, I, I put my child to sleep by the, by the abominable word abortion. It's murder. It's murder. Let's not call it abortion. Let's call it what it is. It's murder. And we've killed over 60 million. This is why, Bob, there's no, there's, no, there's no respect for life today. That's why everybody's killing everybody. Because God commands, Genesis 9, 6, Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. And that's what I want to bring across to you, Bob. And another thing, I'll call you back later on another issue. There is no such thing as a black man, whatever. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. We gotta, I got to dump that. Um, there, you, it was such a wonderful call until you said a word that we cannot <clears throat> allow to error. And I know that did, that did not come from a place of hatred. Um. I know you were trying to to explain something, um, and it sounded like you were on a great track to explaining how we are all the same and we are all equal, and there is no such thing as different races. Uh, but when we use that word, it uh, obviously crosses a line that we can't do even in a um, in a clinical type of usage where you're using it to discuss something, not to be hateful or about it. So I apologize, but we just cannot do that. So thank you for the phone call. Everything you said prior to that, by the way, with respect to abortion. Is, is very well received. And it's why, uh, after this quick time out and check, our, check of our traffic here, you're going to hear more um, than you really ever thought you could about this subject. Because of what they are doing to unborn babies and dehumanizing them in New York, where they can be aborted, murdered, literally right up to the moment of conception in New York, signed by Governor Cuomo just about two weeks ago, wait until you see what was the predictable outcome of that. You knew it was coming. I will share that with you right after this on AM 1420 The Answer. Yeah, everybody's joking with the jocks. Let's see. Yeah. All right, it's 1054. I want to, uh, I hate closing a show on something that's going to be as much of a downer as what I'm about to say is, but um, that's where we are. The, the last caller just brought up some really, really important points about abortion. As we've, uh, it's been the hotbed topic of discussion in this uh, in this country for the last two or three weeks. 
um, particularly after what New York did. After Governor Cuomo in New York signed the bill, passed by the New York State Senate and the State Assembly there, allowing abortion literally right up until the moment of birth, if, as long as that's what the uh, expectant mother wants. You knew this was going to be the case. An accused murderer, this is from the New York Post from just three days ago, an accused murderer has been spared a second charge of abortion thanks to Cuomo's new law. Prosecutors in New York originally intended a charge of abortion against a Queens man who was arrested Friday in his pregnant girlfriend's murder but rescinded it because of Andrew Cuomo's new Reproductive Health Act. Queens District Attorney Richard Brown sent out a press release saying Anthony Hobson, 48, would be charged with second-degree abortion as well as murder in Sunday's fatal stabbing of, uh, of Jennifer Irigoyen. But a DA spokeswoman, spokeswoman later told the New York Post that the abortion charge was repealed by the legislature, and this is the law as it exists today. Cuomo signed the law into effect uh, uh, on January 22nd, the 46th anniversary of the Roe vs. Wade decision. The law removes abortion from the state's criminal code and now puts it into public health law. So essentially, a man who finds out that his girlfriend is pregnant and does not want that child, he does not want her to have that child, he doesn't want to have to endure child support payments or whatever else might come along with it, can now physically assault the woman by punching her in her stomach, trying to kill the baby inside, and the only thing he could be charged with is assaulting the woman. Murdering the baby in the process, would not be a criminal act. You can now, in the state of New York, shoot a pregnant woman and be charged with one count of murder, not two, if and when the baby dies. New York has essentially removed children, babies, Unborn, and if if they're allowed to follow as far as Virginia wants to do, even newly born, but they have removed their personhood to the point where killing them is not a criminal act because the baby is not protected in New York. I want you to consider that for just a moment. This is no longer an abortion issue. This is just a flat-out killing innocent human beings issue, no matter what age they might be. That's staggering. I only brought that up. I wasn't going to bring that up today, but the last caller talking about the uh, ch- you know the children, talking about babies uh, and, and abortion and how women are said to be with child, not uh, with embryos or with fetuses. He's exactly right about that. I had to bring that part up. Uh, Jeff in Cleveland, before we're done, I'll bring you on here for about 40 seconds. Jeff, go ahead. Uh, Bob, I'm 100% in agreement with you as a conservative and as a Republican. Um, it's very important that we stand for life um and and continue to uh, uh make known uh these atrocities that are that uh, the democrats are trying to put forward in these um totally uh, repugnant policies uh that are pro abortion so we have to continue the good fight and i uh, commend you for that also uh the previous caller uh, that used the n word um we have to 
it seemed like he was going in the right direction, and I'm sure that his heart was. But I think that we have to do whatever we can to um, bridge the gap uh, within, you know, the black. Jeff, I got to jet, my friend, because I'm out of time, but I appreciate your point. Stay where you are. Mike Gallagher's next on AM 1420, The Answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.